Hello and welcome to the fourth edition of the Barca Times podcast. I'm your host, Jolo Yankov, and today with me as well, uh, as always, are Alvin and Bukit. Uh, we're going to take a look at the um, game that just been passed this weekend between Barcelona and Osasuna. Um, and we're going to take a look uh, further ahead into the Champions League game uh, midweek against uh, Ferenc Faros in uh, Hungary. Um, to be, and we're going to start first of all with the uh, with the game uh, that just uh, went by in the weekend. A um, couple of interesting points uh, from that game to mention, and I'm going to leave the uh, the tactical the tactical analysis of the game and the and the starting lineup to Alvin and Pukit. But I'm going to start with the uh, obviously the performance was uh, satisfactory um, if we if you like to put it that way. Uh, but there are some some uh, not concerning points, but I would say things that we uh, that uh, are valuable to mention uh, in that segment, and that is uh, the uh, Mingesa and Lenglet uh, partnership back in the in the heart of the defense. Uh, many people were kind of worried and um, uh, not very comfortable with the idea that uh, Mingesa will be thrown into the into the fire. Basically, uh, with uh, making a first uh, official appearance for Barcelona for the first team into the Champions League uh, away at Kiev, and um, his second game obviously at home to Osasuna. Um, to be quite honest with you, both of those uh, both of those games he was uh, pretty pretty decent, and uh, for for possibly for surprise of most people, uh, he was not uh, asked to be a central defender and um, let's say do something that we've not seen. Uh, anybody else does before in Barcelona. Um, he was uh, not asked to to be a solid at the back and uh, not risk it too much, um, play it safe uh, and rely on other people to create. Um, actually, if you if you take a look at the, some of the statistics, he was um, he was also uh, third in touches in the team, third in accurate passes in passes completed, uh, and also his um, his movement uh, resembled. Pretty much that of Piquet. He was uh, trying to go a little bit up the field uh, and assume a little bit more of a, a midfield uh, role. And that is uh, not only because of uh, what uh, Minguez is as a player. It's just uh, the way that um, Osasuna set up to, to play. They assumed pressure very, very deep in their own half and uh, were pretty much content with sit back and uh, absorb, that, absorb that pressure. So... Mingesa, Lenglet, De Jong, and pretty much all the all the creative players had the opportunities to express themselves in that game. And uh, to be honest, he was pretty pretty solid um, in the defense. Obviously, he had a mistake uh, made a little bit uh, later on in the game, but I think that is something that is normal um, when you don't really have that much of an experience and that much of a, of a games behind your back. So that is something that is completely normal. And I think uh, positives could be taken out of that uh, performance, uh, especially defensively, um, both at Kiev and uh, in the weekend with uh, Osasuna. Um, I'm going to move on to uh, to Pukit, and I'm just going to want to uh, hear your opinion about uh, what do you feel was the most uh, interesting part of the Osasuna game, and uh, do you feel that uh, this type of lineup that uh, Ronald Koeman set up could be something uh, that we see more in the future or not that much? Well, what's your opinion on that? 
to it's uh, good that you mentioned the lineup because it was a different lineup than usual wasn't it with Breitfeldt um, Messi and Griezmann starting up front i think it was a very very attack minded lineup and i think we could see that kind of a lineup in the future considering the kind of injuries we've had and pianish not really be, uh, being you know trusted maybe or started by kumun in a lot of games and busquets with his injury and alenia also now coming into the side and i think we could see more of this from kumun we did press them very high we were ourselves or close to a little ourselves again in that game so i think we could see that one thing that stood out of stood out for me was the movement of breathweight off the ball the way he was running behind the defense opening the spaces up and the way he linked up well with griezmann and with alba and of course it was fun to see griezmann back at his best again so i think that kind of stood out for me that now breathweight has three goals in two games for us uh, scored twice in the champions league against dinamo and now one in the league so good for him um being being able to you know establish himself in the side and of course that goal by messi and that celebration that dedication to maradona that was the standout standout moment for the game of the game for everyone i think so that's my take on it uh, what do you think alvin what what stood out for you in the game what was something unique that you liked or something that was first time that you saw by kuman um so i think this is probably the first time that we've seen um Barcelona start with a pure number 9 in, in in that role because throughout the season like in the 11 or 12 games we've played so far we've had either Messi or Griezmann both of whom like don't really like staying in that central position they all like to drift into different parts of the field uh, particularly in the number 10 area um but Martin Braithwaite is a is a pure striker like that's his role um and he stayed in that position. And so what he was able to do was to keep the center backs occupied. So usually what happens when we don't have a number 9 in that position is that the the center backs they don't have anyone to mark. So they drift towards the wings and then they create problems for our wingers because not only do the wingers have to deal with the left back and right back, they now have an extra center back to deal with. So that made attacking difficult. So the reason why you saw Coutinho and Messi having so much space is because the center backs also had to worry about Martin Braithwaite because he can score goals and they know that and um that's exactly what happens. So that was good from Ronald Koeman. I've always said that I don't think Braithwaite is like the best, you know, striker in the world, but he is a striker and he plays that position well and so that gave us a bit of structure, a bit of shape. and just to comment on the point that Jorop uh, brought up about uh Mingeza being uh, put into the fire i just think that this is the reality of football right now where uh the players are getting younger um the contracts are getting bigger so it's normal um and i i know it's it's a bit much to get used to for 17 year olds to be starting for barcelona but um that's the new normal um for football I think if you just have the right expectations uh, of the players knowing that they are young and they are not experienced it's fine and I'm sure they relish the the opportunity to start off their career that much uh, um earlier and and learn so I I personally don't see the problem uh whether they are 16 or 17 as long as they are experienced and uh they are taken care of I think that's fine um that's what I think honestly 
Um, before before we move into the uh, to the Champions League game and what we can expect from the opposition in terms of uh, probably style of play uh, and just a little bit more information about who actually Ferenc Faros are uh, and what they expect to achieve in that um, Champions League campaign, I'll go to Pulkit first and ask um, what do you feel that the possible, um, I don't want to say correct approach because that is... Uh, <laughs> That, that would imply there is only one approach that there could be used. But how do you expect Barcelona to, to approach that game? And um, do you feel that we can go in again? Maybe possibly start uh, some players that are not getting that much time? Uh, so the, this is one of the questions also from the audience that we're going to take uh, in the end. This question is regarding the lineup only. So CM, one of our listeners called CM, he asked that should Messi, De Young and Griezmann be rested against Ferran Suarez? So I think uh, like we had the l- last week when we faced Dynamo Kiev and we had most of our subs and our kids playing because um, we had to rest some key players. So I think, and now since we have 12 points and uh, on top of the table, and we have already qualified for the next round, so I think Koeman is going going to rest some key players in for this one because the next game is against Cadiz, who, as we all know, beat Madrid at home and are flying in the La Liga table as of now. Uh, they sit in sixth as of now, so I think with 15 points, one point of ahead of us. So I think we need to rest players for that game. So I think Komen would go for um, Des Tegan in goal. Uh, you would see Dest at right back, uh, Mengesa and probably Araujo also at centre-back because Longley is injured. We don't know the extent of his injury. And Araujo will get the medical green light by tomorrow. Uh, so that will be the case. I think Furpo will start ahead of Alba maybe because he did come on as a sub in the game against Osasuna as well. I think we would see Alenia start this one like he started against Dinamo Kiev alongside maybe Pjanic because he didn't play against Osasuna uh, in, in the double pivot. And he'll definitely go with Pedri and Trincao on the wings with uh, maybe Coutinho in the middle and Braithwaite up front. I think he will rest Messi, Griezmann and De Young for this one because it's an away game. They won't be travelling, I believe. We'll probably see Dembele. we we'll probably see Priki Pooj also come on late in the game. We'd love to see that as well. So I think this is how it's going to be set up in a 4-2-3-1 formation. And um, Ferran Sharus can, of course, uh, really be threatening on the counter as they were at the camp now. Uh, so I think uh, this is going to be the case for us. Uh, that's going to be the lineup. What do you think, Joro? How would Ferran Suarez line up for this one? Because they are battling the Europa League places, uh, Europa League place for in the group against Dinamo. They both have they, have, they both have one single point, so it's going to be between them only. So, how do you think they're going to line up for this one? The interesting part with uh, Ferran Suarez is that um, many th- many times in the Champions League we see uh, those type of teams that. Um, are getting drawn into a group with uh, one of the big boys, so to speak, with Barca- like it is uh, with our group uh, this season, Barcelona-Juventus. And then we have two teams that are probably going to battle out for the Europa League spots, as you said. But uh, Ferenc Faros is not just a, is not just a team that uh, locked up uh, into the Champions League. Uh, last year, they've managed to, um, to, to, to go to the playoffs uh, before the group stages. Uh, they've lost, obviously... Um, at that stage, and they went to the Europa League. Uh, 
uh, in that uh, in that campaign, in the last year's campaign, they finished third in the Europa League group uh, behind Espanyol and Ludogorets. So um, why I'm bringing that point up is, um, as we've seen before, some teams are coming into the Champions League and they rather stay there one year. Uh, most of their players uh, that helped them go to the Champions League are actually sold and the team is kind of reshaped again. So it's very hard to consistently go and try to establish yourself into the group stages of the Champions League, especially when you're uh, when you're not that big of a club and your financial resources are not uh, infinite, let's say. So Ferenc Farosh, after being uh, into the Europa League last year and uh, missing the missing the progression from the Europa League to the knockout stages, um, this year they came back and actually went into the group of the Champions League. So there is. Uh, somewhat of a progression in there. Um, also, this season, um, the losses to Barcelona uh, at the No Camp and the two defeats uh, with Juventus uh, in the Juventus games that they've played are the only defeats in all competitions this season. Their record, apart from those two games, is 13 wins and five draws. So, <clears throat> it's pretty easy to, to classify Ferenc Farros as somebody that actually is not just a team that will try to limit the uh, the amount of goals that they concede against Barcelona, and will actually try to achieve something, get a point, get a get a win. Obviously, that's going to be uh, something to celebrate in there. But um, yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna try to uh, to cause some problems uh, uh, to um, for Barcelona. Um, possibly, like you've mentioned, not all the team, not all the players are going to be. Uh, participating in that game um, for Barcelona, the key players probably will be will get some rest. So this is something that um, the home the home side can actually try exp- exploit. And um, another interesting stat uh, when we've actually said about the uh, the young team that probably we will uh, we will face uh, Ferenc Faros in um, in Hungary uh, when uh, the previous meeting between those two clubs uh, in I think match day one. Uh, or must, actually the second match day, uh, Pedri and Fati scored in that game. Uh, and that meant that this is the first time two players under 18 scored in the same match in the Champions League. So this is something that um, is a positive record that Barcelona set this season. Uh, and um, if those players are getting a little bit more chance uh, to perform, obviously Fati is injured, so that's not, that's not going to happen. But the young players... I think there is more potential in the young players that Barcelona has than uh, what many people will think. And uh, this is this, this is going to be a very, very interesting game, in my opinion, and not just a, a stroll in the park, let's say. Um, Alvin, what do you feel that um, potentially Ferenc Faros can, can do to upset Barcelona? And how do you feel that the game is going um, is going to turn out from a tactical point of view? Yeah, so I think the most interesting part of this game is going to be uh, the lineup that Ronald Koeman chooses, because I think that will determine how how this game plays out. For example, right now you can see Koeman sort of leaning towards a 4-3-3, because he doesn't have two defensive midfielders um, to spare, to put in that double pivot position, because, um, because of the centre-back crisis. Uh, De Jong has to play as a centre-back. And so he might choose to rest players like De Jong and Pjanic for the Curtis game because we know that Curtis is very difficult. So if he doesn't have uh, De Jong and Pjanic, 
maybe he plays Busquets as a, as a sole uh, central defensive midfielder and then goes with a, a 4-3-3 uh, with youngsters at the back. Um, so it, it's very fluid in terms of what we expect. But what I what definitely we should expect is to have a younger squad that can run faster, that's a bit more dynamic. Um, and if he pairs that up with a very good, solid defensive structure, it might stifle uh, Ferenc Varos. Because what teams like Ferenc Varos will try to do is to counter-attack uh, and to run uh, straight at our experienced uh, older players. Because that's the only way that they can um, you know, get, a, get an edge over us. So I think it'll be a simple game for Kuman because I think we're a much stronger side than Ferenc Varos. So getting a win won't be difficult. But it's how he chooses his players in terms of leaving out some players for uh, for the Cardiff game, but also leaving enough good players that we can actually win the game. So I think it's just going to be a battle of Ferenc Varos trying to, you know, run at the defenders um, and, you know, possibly counter-attack, um, and Barcelona trying to limit that with young um, and, and fast players who can counter that as well. So it's really going to be an interesting um, battle from a tactics point of view, but I think as a, as a result, it's, it's almost done um, because I expect Barcelona to win this. Um, but then again, you know, um, there are a couple of games this season where we went in thinking that this is supposed to be an easy win, but it turns out to be difficult. But I think the idea, the fact that Ronald Koeman is considering different points of views in terms of how he plays and uh, who he plays, even though most of it is motivated by injuries, I think it's still a good thing for Barcelona. It keeps everyone fresh. It keeps everyone, you know, motivated. People are fighting uh, for a spot on the on the starting eleven. So when they do get a chance to play they want to uh, impress. So I think that's what's going well for Barcelona at the moment. And if Roman, if, if Ronald Koeman keeps that going, then we're going to have a good game. So I, I don't think it, it will be explosive in terms of like a tactical battle, because I think Barcelona will win. But uh, definitely will be interesting to see, um, to see who plays and who doesn't, because that will sort of give you a, um, a preview of what Ronald Koeman is thinking about the Cardiff game. If you see most of the experienced players being rested, then you can expect that he thinks it's going to be tough, which it will be because they're a good side. But um, uh, that's what I think. And in terms of like predictions of the score, I think Barcelona will win 3-1. I guess because of the lack of experience, Ferenc Varos can score a goal. Like, as Ajoro pointed out, like, they are a good side in their Hungarian uh, league. Like, they are the top there and they score a lot of goals. So they can score a goal, um, but I think we will definitely outscore them. So I'm going to go 3-1. Um, I don't know, Ajoro, what do you think is going to be the score? Um, to be quite honest with you, I do, I do agree at some, in uh, some parts with the fact that um, not going to be particularly amazing tactical battle or something, something of that sense, two teams trying to outthink each other. But however, I think uh, Ferenc Farsh is, uh, I don't want to say um, backs to the wall, 
but pretty much uh, pretty much in that situation they are at the minute with equal points with Dynamo Kiev. Uh, the final game of the group stage is Ferenc Farosh against Dynamo Kiev, possible for the uh, for the chance to go into the knockout stages of Europa League. So I think it's pretty much now or never for uh, for Ferenc Farosh, and they're gonna cause. I, I do believe they're gonna cause some problems, uh, uh, especially at the back. Uh, but I'm still going for a win for Barcelona in a in a three-two. A lot of goals, um, a lot of excitement, uh, and hopefully, yeah, Barcelona manages to get the deal done. Uh, Pukit, what do you feel the score is gonna be? Just to be different, I'm just gonna just to be different than the two of you. I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna go for a two-one win for Barcelona. It's gonna be tight, I think. It's gonna be tight, a two-one win. We do win, but two one. Yeah. That's okay. That's interesting. To be honest, we have yeah. uh, we we've praised a little bit Barcelona in the in the past like twenty minutes, and then uh, most of us, apart from Valve, this that's going to be a tight game. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to Juventus for a little bit, and potentially Barcelona can actually uh, secure a qualification spot if they. Uh, if they match or um, actually achieve a better result than Juventus in uh, in that um, um, in the games against uh, Ferenc Varos and obviously Juventus uh, playing against Dynamo Kiev uh, in the um, in the weekend they had a not that impressive uh, draw against uh, Benevento away uh, the game finished 1-1 um, and to be quite honest with you this is something that is uh, significant um, with Juventus this season. Uh, the fact that they, they, they don't really have a settled starting eleven, um, The formation is uh, pretty much fluid and changes uh, from game to game. Uh, as in the weekend, we saw um, pretty much a different lineup and a different uh, structure coming out with a 4-4-2. Um, Dybala played obviously up front with uh, Alvaro Morata, who got a red card. So... Yes, some excuses there for Juventus for not being able to get that result. But still, uh, if we look at the if we look at the Italian table, they're still pretty close to the top. However, uh, they drew quite a quite a lot of games uh, this season. Still waiting for the first uh, defeat in Juventus in the Serie A. So they're solid, but a um, couple of things uh, there need to be pointed out, especially with the. With the with the formation and possibly them searching for their identity um, in the in that early stages of the season, so the um, how to say the Champions League is kind of a good um, good platform for them to explore and just figure out what their best formation is, how they possibly can fit uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, DiBala in the same team uh, without the team being too um, how to say too attacking or um, just trying to find the balance, I think, is the is the priority at the minute for Andrea Pirlo, and um, hopefully with Barcelona will be able to top up, top the group, and um, the last game could be uh, against Juventus. I don't know, camp will be something um, cons- accepted as a let's say a tryout game, um, something new, some more players getting chances and stuff like that, rather than an actual fight for the first spot in the in the group. Um, something that we would like to do now is uh, go to the comment section as we've teased in the Twitter uh, account, in the Twitter page that we have for Barca Times um, and the first question that I'm going to ask uh, from there is um, asked by Ebenezer and that is, should we bring back to Dibault uh, for a second chance since we're short on defenders 
Um, Alvin, what do you feel about that? Um, I definitely think that um, Barcelona should be giving more chances to the players that they are producing. So it's not a matter of saying that every player that either comes in through our youth academy or that we buy when they are young should automatically get um, to play for the starting eleven, like be promoted to the senior team. But they definitely should be giving them a chance before they sell them. Because if you look at like teams like Bayern Munich, um, they don't produce uh, too many players from their own academy. But when they do get a young player, they make sure that they give them a chance, um, even if they get injured or they don't start very well. They give them a chance before deciding to say, OK, we're, we're, we're not impressed with this player, we're going to sell them. Because it's, it's not only about just uh, the sporting issues on the pitch, but financially as well, because we're losing money when we ship off players and when we're struggling. So I definitely think Todibo should get a second chance because we don't know if he's good enough to play at Barcelona. So no one can make a judgment to say that he should be sold. So I think that it's all premature, to be honest. That's what I think. Um, on that note, uh, there's the second question is also, I'm going to ask it to you, Alvin, and that is, uh, I am the knight asks, uh, whether Umtiti should um, deserve a second chance or not. What do you feel about that? Um, I think with Umtiti, it's different from um, Todibo because Umtiti is now 27 years old um, and he's had many, many injuries. So it's not a, we know the reason why he's struggling and it's because of his knee. He's injured his knee um, now and that is the problem. So whether or not the people at, at, at in the offices at, at, at the camp you know, decide to keep him or not, um, the, the issue is simple and out there for everyone to know. It's his knee. And given the size of his contract and the fact that he's injury prone, I think we should give him a chance for the sake of, for the sake of it because no one will buy him at this point, at least not for how much we paid him and at least not giving him the same contract that he has at Barcelona. So that's a point where we are forced to play him, to give him a chance because he is taking up space and taking up uh, wages at the club. So you just have to play. I honestly hope he, you know, he recovers or gets into an extended spell where he doesn't get injured because I do think he's a good player, but unfortunately injuries have just kept him uh, sidelined. So with Umtiti, it's much more straightforward, you know. Will he get injured again? Most probably, but we hope that he doesn't. So yeah, that's what I think. Um, just to just to wrap up that question with Umtiti, is something interesting interesting that I found um, possibly a week ago, and uh, transfer market actually um, released their new evaluations for the Liga players uh, and their transfer value. Uh, Umtiti actually had a drop of 58 million euros from 70. Now he is rated to 12. So, yeah, everybody can think whatever they want about that. Um, the next question is uh, from Puneet, and that is um, how do you rate uh, Trincao? And uh, Pukit, I know you have uh, special feelings about Trincao, so I'm going to leave that one to you. 
<laughs> yeah, I do have special feelings for him. I've been following him ever since we signed him back in January this year. He was uh, one of the he was the third highest scorer under 21 uh, in Europe last season after Sancho and Haaland. So very very talented player of course in Liga Nosh it was. Um and he does play for the Portuguese national team on the right as well, but he has failed to establish himself in the side. He only comes off as a sub for Ronald Koeman so far so far he has played 9 games and 20 minutes 21 minutes per game so 189 minutes in total and uh, his stats are not really uh, up to the mark you know he just has one assist per game uh, 0.3 key passes 0.7 shots which is decent but he still of course has he's still 20 you know so it's a long way to go for him it's a transition year for him as well adjusting to a new club new city new culture new life and of course the pecking order he's probably third choice after messi and dembele in the same position and griezmann used to play as well at the start of the season in that position so i think it will take him a while to kind of adjust and I like about him is of course that he can play as number 9 as well so he's pretty much versatile so yeah uh, puneet he does have a long way to go in front of him and we can expect a lot from him in the years to come right now he's just adjusting and i hope he can give his best to the team to the club so yeah but i do have a special place in my heart thanks for mentioning that joro yeah um and to just uh, wrap up the uh, that segment uh... The last question that has been brought up to us, and I think it's from Facebook, that is uh, from uh, Subtik Chaduri. And um, the question is, to what extent will Xavi succeed if he joins as a manager next season? Um, I think this is, um, first of all, obviously, that is a question for the future. And um, after, potentially, this season ends, and uh, possibly Victor Font, obviously, again elected as a as the new president of the club however i have one problem with uh, with that idea of um, looking for a manager and trying to establish something uh, trying to establish a direction of what we're going to do next season so there are i think 11 games passed or 10 10 11 12 games passed out of the liga calendar we are five games into the uh, now is going to be the fifth game obviously that we previewed into the Champions League so we're still in the group stages um Barcelona obviously in La Liga is a bit far off at the minute but in the Champions League they're first um the qualification for the knockout stages is obviously uh achieved already so I don't really understand the questions and the 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 talk about uh Xavi joining in or a new manager joining in uh considering the fact that in the last year Barcelona had three managers. Um the first one Ernesto Valverde was been fired while he was uh, top of the league um and still in the Champions League. Um Kiki Setién obviously after the fiasco in um, Lisbon was let go um normally nobody has a problem with that. And now we're having Ronald Koeman. Uh the thing with Ronald Koeman is that probably people are not really convinced of uh, his ideas and the way that he puts in uh, the team and the way that he wants the team to look uh, but i'm just going to ask that question back to the back to the audience um, what if we give the season uh, to ronald kuman and he actually wins the champions league how are we turning back and we're and we're firing that manager 
So, like, I don't, I don't really understand the ideas of uh, of a new of a new regime coming in, of new president coming in, of new uh, management board, if you like, coming in, and them setting the uh, the standards and the ideas already in January or in December of what we're going to do next season, because it's just too long and we don't really know. Um, we don't really know what Messi is going to do. So I think uh, Barcelona without Messi and without, let's say, a couple more players that are, that are seen pretty important in the last, uh, let's say, 10 years for the club. What if all of those players um, decided to leave or the club wants to sell them? I think it's, a, it's many, many, many variables uh, from now until the end of the season. So I think you leave Ronald Koeman... Uh, finish the season and um, from then on yeah definitely see what you can do but for the, for Xavi yeah if he's backed up the same way that Ronald Koeman has been backed this season in terms of uh, signings and uh, people that he wants to bring in uh, I don't think I don't think he will succeed because obviously Ronald Koeman was not backed with everybody that he wanted so it's just um, I think it's a question of we, we need to wait and see how the things develop and who actually gets elected for a president. So uh, that is something that we need to pay our attention to. But definitely there's a lot of talks about Xavi. There's a lot of talks about the new president coming in. We're going to definitely look into that uh, topics possibly in the next uh, podcast that we do. But I think uh, now the primary, the primary focus of the team and uh, the fans should be, uh, obviously in my opinion, it should be the, the actual season that we're, um, that we're in now and uh, there are still a lot of things to play for uh, I understand, yeah, we're uh, far off in the Liga far off in uh, possibly in the Champions League on paper, how the team looks but still <laughs> a lot of teams won the Champions League without actually being the best team in the, in the, in the competition so yeah, everything is possible and as I said, if you, if you win the Champions League this season I don't see how you turn around and you fire the coach so, to be, to be quite honest with you, what do you guys think about that? Alvin, how do you feel Xavi will do this uh, next season, if he actually gets uh, appointed as a manager? Well, I've said this before, um, as sort of a criticism of the 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 political nature of, of running things at Barcelona. Um, the reason why I, I, I supported uh, Fon's assertion that he's going to bring in Xavi is solely for the idea of a project. Because I don't think that a coach should matter as much as we think they do. Because a a brilliant manager at Barcelona can still fail if um, the president, you know, behaves like Bartomeu and, you know, makes all the decisions and there's chaos. Club isn't just down to the manager. There has to be a consistency throughout the club. In fact, a somewhat average or mediocre manager can succeed solely for the fact that um, everything else at the club is also at the same level. There's a consistency. Um, everyone at the club, from the sporting director to the board uh, to the medical staff, everyone is pulling in the direct in the same direction. So a manager who's not so fantastic or doesn't have a a big or bombastic um, uh, profile can succeed. 
Um, the problem is we are, we are putting our hopes in one manager, hoping that they can fix everything. When the problems at Barcelona are very broad, they just aren't down to the manager. So even Xavi, who doesn't have experience, can succeed as long as, um, that's assuming that Victor Font wins, as long as Font also fixes all the other problems um, that are at the club. So if the squad and the board and the staff and the medical team and everyone is pulling in the same direction and they are working towards one planned project, uh, not just making rash decisions, um, he can succeed. So I think of I think of Barcelona's success as uh, a project issue, not a, a manager issue. And so I, I'm fine with um, Ronald Koeman staying. I'm fine with Xavi staying, as long as it's in accordance to a plan. And that plan doesn't just hinge on the manager, but fixing all the other aspects of the club as well. So yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point as well. Pukit, we're gonna wrap up the uh, the conversation here with with your opinion as well on on Xavi and yeah, there's been a lot of um, a lot of talk and how to say the the general feeling to in in inside the fan base is kind of like we want to see somebody from the club uh, from previous legends or icons in the club being involved with the club. So how do you how do you Pukit feel about all of that and? Um, Obviously, the Xavi question, if he actually becomes a manager next season. So, I think you're very right in pointing out that we do need someone who knows the club very well. But I think I have, what I have noticed also, as Barca fans, we are so emotional, that we are in a desperate need of someone like Pep or another Pep. What he did when he came on as manager in 2008 and his era and what we accomplished there was, of course, great. But... I just wanted to make a point this out that Xavi will not be Pep, will not be like him at all. He will have his own project, own set of people or players to work with, own set of new challenges. As Alvin said that the club has massive challenges, uh, not just uh, in the team or the squad. There are other, at boardroom level, at other levels, there are a lot of challenges that need to be addressed. And if Font can do that well and good and any manager can succeed. So I think we really need to uh, not think in, in the way that okay, Xavi will be our next Pep Guardiola and we'll have win the treble and Ansu Fati will be the new Messi and this and that. All these narratives, I think, need to be died down, first of all. Xavi will need time, as uh, you pointed out, Juru, that he is not as experienced as other managers, he has not. Uh, he has had good success success with Al Sadd, but that's Al Sadd. It's not a European club. It's not. A, it's not at the highest level. So he would need time to manage the dressing room with senior players, with a lot of junior players as well, and to know the players and to uh, get him to play, get them to play the right way. So Xavi, like Pirlo in Juventus right now, he needs time. Similarly, Xavi would need a lot of time to adjust and we cannot expect him to just win the Champions League or the La Liga. The next season might be a transition season as well. So we'll have to see how it goes with Xavi. And next season's expectations depend on how the season ends with Koeman, whether we win anything or not, whether we finish in the Champions League places or not in the league, and how far we go in the Champions League and whether Messi stays or not, which is an essential part of the whole narrative. So I think we just uh, need to wait 
and we do not have to raise the bar of expectations for Xavi. That will be just too much. That will be asking a lot from a new manager. That's why Pirlo is not yet being sacked in Juventus because he is a legend of the club and he would need time to work with his players. Similarly with Lampard as well, you know. So this is uh, something that we need to really calm down ourselves, calm ourselves down with. That you know, do not make expectations with Xavi as of now. So that's my thought on it. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Very interesting opinions. And um, yeah, I think this is a topic that pretty much every Barcelona fan is um, is kind of eager and uh, wants to know more about it. And obviously the future of the, of the football club is the primary um, concern of uh, all the football fans. So yeah, that is something that we're going to definitely, definitely look at um as time goes on and um i think more information will be put out we're gonna discuss a little bit more in detail in our next uh, podcast and that will be the uh review of the ferenc Varos game and uh, look ahead to the uh Kadis game over the weekend um so with that um we will wrap up the podcasting here uh thanks for everybody um that uh, listened to us today thank you for the questions uh, on uh, social media and um, like, subscribe, uh, follow, uh, comment, everything that you do in the comment section in terms of engaging uh, is highly appreciated. And we will, we will try to put it into the podcast and involve you a little bit more. So thank you very much and we'll see you next time.